is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 568, recorded on Monday, February the 21st, 2022. Welcome to the program, everyone. Welcome back and to to everyone and to you, Jason. Uh, I'm excited to be here because Walking Dead is back and we got a big new episode to talk about. I feel like, uh, yeah, and thank you, Chris. Uh, welcome back to you as well. Uh, I was uh, I was happy to watch this uh, was this episode this afternoon when I when I when I ended up watching it. It felt like running into the embrace of an old trusted friend. It did. It, it was really nice. That's that is nice. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it feels like it's been off for longer than usual, and it hasn't really. I don't think this hiatus was any longer than a normal hiatus, but uh, I guess a lot has happened since you know episode eight, and now we're at episode nine. And not time only that, has no meaning, Chris. No. It, so we're, you know, we're still pretty much dislodged from time. Yeah. We just got used to it over the last couple of, two years, two fucking years <laughs> of this shit. I We've just kind of gotten used to it now, but we're still dislodged from time. I guess that is it. Uh, it, it, it just feels like a long time. And, and, you know, it could also be that we didn't really record quite as much, you and I anyways, during this hiatus. Part of that was because I was recording every week about the Book of Boba Fett over on Podcastica, which was fun, uh, but it meant we took a little, uh, you know, more time off than usual. So I think what I'm, I'm just missing you more than anything yeah. then, and, but we're back and we're going full steam ahead now. You're the old trusted friend I think of when I say I run into the embrace of. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well, welcome to everyone back to the podcast. And if you weren't listening over the break, uh, I, I hope you're back. Delighted to have you back. I'm sure you are. Um, it is family day in most of Canada, so it was a day off for many of us here. I'm pretty sure all the provinces. No. No? no. Which one doesn't? I don't know. Okay. No, it's not all of them. I know that. I know it's us and uh, BC and uh, maybe Alberta, but uh, I think Manitoba doesn't do it. Okay, I think most of them do. So maybe one of those weird prairie provinces don't. But if you get a day off today, uh, congratulations. If not, I'm sorry, but most of us had the day off. And I think it's President's Day in the U.S. And I'm not sure if if uh, that's a holiday, an actual day off holiday in the States. But regardless, happy President's Day to our friends to the south some people take it like uh i, I think it might be a, a i'm not sure if it's a national holiday or a state holiday but i do know that uh the particular client that i'm working for at the moment yeah took today off okay and they're based out of the u.s down in the states very good so I'm not sure what the regionality of it is or whether it's uh, an actual stat or whether it's just the whole company going, fuck it, we're not doing anything today. Have a nice weekend. All right. Well, so apparently there's a fair bit of uncertainty here around all of the holidays that are celebrated today. But either way, uh, if you did have the day off, I hope you enjoyed it. Most of the world agrees that today was mostly Monday. I think that is a fair statement. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it your birthday before our next podcast? Uh, yeah, next Sunday. Okay, so... Uh, Saturday, sorry. Saturday is my birthday. Sometime next weekend. So anyway, since, yeah. uh, if, if I wait, I mean, I guess we're recording Thursday, but I don't want to miss it. So a uh, happy early birthday. Uh, I hope you have a great day next weekend. <laughs> yeah, fucking 50. Can you believe it? No. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. You're not 49? Well, I am right now. 50? <laughs> yeah. Turning 50, my friend. We should, we should have done something. No, fuck that. I'm useless. Boy, I'm... Man. I'm not a very was, good... Not a very I'm good pretty friend. sure that uh, I'm not even going to call it 50. I'm going to call it my 15th annual 31st, 35th birthday. <laughs> or something like that. Wow, man. 50. Well, congratulations, I guess. Yeah. Well, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't jinx it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, wow. All right. Well, um, let's talk about that again next week, maybe. All right. Well, geez, man, that's uh, that's crazy town. Uh, we are, of course, here to talk about The Walking Dead season 11, episode nine. And it's exciting to have it back and to get us started. I've got some title reads from listeners, so I'm going to play those right now. Super. You turn left of the roundabout, go over, keep going on to right the junction and see the uh, traffic lights. You've got to then uh, turn right again. And it's there on your left. Can't I go straight on to the roundabout? No! No! There is no other way. (laughs) No other way. So our options are to walk into the Huacha or to just, you know, walk into the herd of zombies. Huh. Well, it's a shame there's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way. Maggie, don't you let him get away. There's no other way. There's no other way. Maggie, don't you let him get away. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, in the UK, Matt in Oklahoma City, Owen in Leeds, England, and Jennifer in Minneapolis. A few uh, unique ones there. That was great. Wasn't it good? Yeah. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, Jennifer was doing a cover of the Blur song called There's No Other Way there at the end. Yeah, yeah. I caught that. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. Uh, All right. So this is uh, season 11, episode nine, No Other Way. And we start off pretty much right where we left off with Maggie and the gang at the Reaper's compound. And as we remember, if you remember, Jason, they had just fired the Huacha on them. Yeah, so uh, there's no there's no stopping. No breather, no respite. It's just uh, uh, we're picking up uh, mere seconds from the uh, the last episode. You can't stop the Huacha. That's yeah, what I hear about it. train does not stop. You know what's really odd about that Huacha what thing? Is? What is? Is that uh, since we talked about it and it's like, what the hell is that? I've uh, I've discovered like at least three other sources that uh, talk about uh, the Huacha being used in uh, historical uh, times. So is it is it like when you buy a new car, you start seeing that your car all over the place? I think that might be. Or you hear a new word or something like that. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, it's only been recently that I've, I knew the word tarp was short for tarpaulin. Right. That was a, a gap in my knowledge. At some point, sure. but I've heard tarpaulin used many times since. Sure. I mean, that's come up on the podcast for years now, so it's not that recent, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I'm turning 50. <laughs> it's recent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I get it. Um, I can remember when I first heard the phrase, it takes a village, you know, to do yeah. something. And after that, I, I started hearing it everywhere. So same thing. I guess the Hawacho works that way as well. Yeah. 
Anyways, the Huacha is firing, zombies are getting lit up, they're exploding, and Maggie fights her way through the zombies and kind of hides in sort of a hutch, maybe a doorway entrance behind a wall. But one of the Reapers ends up with her and she has to fight him. She eventually gets the better of him and pushes him out into the path of a Huacha firework, which hits him and he explodes. Mm-hmm. Explodey guy. He is an explodey guy. Uh, she runs into a building and hides inside. So she basically just had to run off the field, push her way through some zombies and, and get into a building. And now she's kind of safe, at least for the moment. Yeah, and that's exactly the right thing to do in an ambush. Just fucking run. Right, 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 right. That's another thing you've said before. It's like there's nothing you can do but run, right? Yeah, just run. Run, break their lines, get behind them. Because uh, if you stand there, you're fucked. If you uh, try and get a good firing position, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're pretty much just run. Just run. Run, run. All right, well, inside she finds Elijah and Negan, and Elijah is wounded, so they make their way to an infirmary. And then go through a secret door into some kind of secure room behind a shelf in the infirmary. And I had to remind myself that Maggie knows the layout of this place because she used to live there. Like this used to be her place, right? Before the Reapers took it over. So that kind of gives them an advantage, right? They're not running through this place blind, not knowing where to go. Yeah, this is this this is like the uh, the office in uh, Psycho. You remember Psycho? I'm not, not going to spoil Psycho. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while, but yes, I've seen Psycho. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the guy from Psycho, he, uh, he he has a peephole into the room next to the office. Oh, right. Yeah, where he uh, yeah, he does the, does the things, the watches, and uh, gets his mom all mad at him for doing that. Right, right, of course. Well, they have a peephole in this room, too. She's looking out the peephole uh, because, well, Carver appears out there. Now, Negan wants to leave right away. But Maggie says that they can't leave the others or risk being followed home. And she suggests they leave until dawn. But we hear Carver out in the infirmary uh, on a walkie with Leah. And she says to find them so no one gets out alive, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I find it a little little bit of a stretch that Carver doesn't know that this secret room is here. But do you think, do you think that's the case? Secret rooms are secret, Chris. Well, unless you know the secret room is there, they're still a secret, right? I guess so. So the the Reapers have been living in this place, and they've just never figured it out. I mean, that's what we're supposed to believe here. I guess well, it's they possible. took it over recently, and they haven't uh, they haven't gone over everything with a fine tooth comb. And if you don't know a secret room is there and the secret latch, yeah, uh, you know, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. Yeah, I suppose that makes some sense. So I guess we just got to figure that he doesn't know it's there. Um, you have secret rooms in your house, right, that uh, that nobody knows about? Of course, yeah. I, I mean, at least secret hiding places. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, smart. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but we go to the opening credits, and when we return, we are back at Alexandria, and we've got Rosita and Lydia fighting off zombies as they come up the stairs. So if you recall... They're all hiding in the house. There's this massive storm happening, and most of the crew has fled upstairs, except for Judith and Gracie, of course, who are stuck in the basement. Diana comes to the stairs and informs them that they can't find the two girls. That's bad. Very bad. Very bad. Uh, Justine, listener Justine in NorCal wrote, holy crap, did you see those chicks kicking ass on the staircase? I loved seeing Rosita and Lydia but Diane seriously stole the scene with her screaming stab. Truly awesome. Mm-hmm. 
and it was good. I, I, you know, went back and watched and yeah, Diane just comes right in the middle and plows one down into the head with a big scream. It was pretty awesome. Stabby screamy. It's good stuff. Good, good stuff. So as I said, of course, Judith and Gracie are stuck in the flooding basement. We cut to them. They start going up the stairs towards the door. Zombies are pushing at the other side. Their fingers are coming through the cracks, which is always really scary. And the girls are looking for something to block the door with, but the zombies just bust through. So yep. even more trouble for those two right now. Zombies going to zombie. They're g- <laughs> yes, they're going to zombie. Uh we find out that Jerry and Aaron aren't able to put the windmill fire out. So even though it's raining like crazy outside, the windmill's on fire. In case yeah, you they forgot. Do, they do that. They made the wood. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It must have been hit by lightning, right? I would assume so. Eh, lightning starts fires. Well, they don't have insurance, so it's not in insurance lightning. So it might it must have been regular lightning. <laughs> yeah, of course. Makes sense. Uh, Kelly, Connie, Carol, and Magna show up. They say they've sealed one breach in the wall, but figure there must be another. And Aaron is concerned that if the windmill falls over, it'll create a breach that is too big to seal. So nothing is going right for this group. Connie and Magna go to find the other breach. The others are going to continue to try to put out the fire, but suddenly Aaron hears a whistle, which he identifies as Gracie's emergency whistle. So he goes off to find her. So splitting up all to do different things. Do your your daughters have emergency whistles? They do not. They should. Get a nice Fox 40. Those are good whistles. Okay. Keyless, which is nice because then they won't get jammed up. Okay, good. I'll keep that in mind. But maybe you're right. Maybe they should. Uh, We go back to Meridian, which is the name of the Reapers slash Maggie's X compound. Father Gabe is sneaking his way toward a building, but a Reaper has a gun pointed on him. But before he can fire, Daryl attacks him. And they end up having a fight in a children's classroom, it looks like. Daryl ends up stabbing the guy and choking him out. Meanwhile, outside the door are some zombies that are killed behind the glass door of the window. So we don't really see that. But what we do here are Reapers, including Leah, looking for their buddy Austin, who Daryl has just killed. I I had a hard time with this scene uh, because all I could think of was uh, there's Duplo in the room. Because there was Duplo, there's one shot of Duplo, and I'm like, oh my God, they're going to land on the Lego. Uh, You know, (laughs) be careful of the Lego. That stuff's not, uh, not cheap and it's valuable. Especially in the apocalypse, you know, you can't buy any more, so be careful. But they didn't damage any of the Lego, so I'm happy. Well, that's lucky. Uh, does Duplo hurt as much when you step on it as Lego? <sighs> bigger. It's bigger. Uh, they don't have as many pointy pieces, mm-hmm. uh, so that's good. Uh, but uh, Jasper's been making a lot of uh, Duplo drones uh, lately, which are uh, small, you know, pointy caltrops that he hides around the house so right they do hurt a little bit yeah i'm sure they do yeah all right um so the austin uh not austin they're looking for austin so leah and her other guy come in and they find austin dead and daryl has hidden behind the chalkboard which is yeah. in front of a door for some reason it's very convenient i thought that he was able to hide back there, but he gets out. He also grabs the guy's weapons before he hides. So they this don't place find is him. full of secret rooms. I mean, yeah. there's secret rooms in classrooms for crying out loud. It, 
it i this is i i thought the same thing actually while watching it it's like why would there be a door behind the chalkboard i mean is it just storage i guess seems weird well i mean maybe the place is not meant to be a school right? yeah so they're just kind of uh, putting stuff everywhere. You know, you 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 live in a house, right? I do. And you're moving furniture around. It's like fuck. I wish that door wasn't there. If that door wasn't there, everything would be perfect. This room would flow really nicely. Mm-hmm. I could put the couch right goddamn there, and uh, it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a there's a door there. So if you had a big ass chalkboard uh, that you could use to cover the door, maybe you would. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. I guess so. If I really didn't need that door. My mom always says that when you're trying to pick out an apartment or a house and, you, uh, and you're looking at living rooms, uh, every living room needs one uninterrupted wall, something where there's no doorway, there's no fireplace, there's no nothing. You can just put whatever you want on that wall. You need one uninterrupted wall. Do windows count? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about your living room and I think you qualify that one, that front Wall qualifies because you can put a, you put your couch there, right? So that's uh, that would count as an uninterrupted wall because you can put your couch there and you don't have any issues. Yeah, because otherwise there's a door in one side, there's a fireplace on one side, there's a large opening to the dining room on the other side, yeah. and the fourth wall is a big window at the front of my house. Yeah, my living room does not qualify. Okay, yeah, I've got too many openings on my uh, uh, in my living room. The the uh the other room that we've uh, identified as the playroom uh, has a big long uninterrupted wall but uh it looks more like a bowling alley when you kind of line things up on the walls. <laughs> well, I mean, then you have a bowling alley. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's okay. It works. All right. Well, uh that's what you know, that's where Daryl goes. He goes and hides to avoid being captured. After a commercial break, we are back at the house. The walkers are coming down into the flooding basement. We've got Judith and Gracie standing on a table now. They stab a few zombies coming at them from the water, but Judith drops her little sword into the water. It sinks to the bottom and they kick a few more zombies back. Um, I don't believe, Jason, she retrieved that sword this nope. episode. Did we see? We did not. But the place is saved at the end, right? So I'm sure the the, the waters will recede and that the, uh, the Wakazashi will be retrieved. Okay. Well, that is good. They didn't show us that. They probably won't, but I was concerned about it at the time. I don't, I don't want her to lose that sword, just like I don't want her to lose that hat. Well, know? she can't. She can't lose the hat or the sword. They are, uh, they're Indiana Jones's hat and whip. Mm-hmm. They cannot be lost. Got it. Okay, good. I feel better now. Aaron shows up at the window, though, and to try to rescue them. He smashes it out with his mace hand, which I thought was fun. And the zombies in the basement sort of start to focus on him instead. So he jumps down into the water and uh, starts to fight them off. Now, this is where he jumps down in and just smashes one down with his arm, right? Yeah. uh, You know, one shot, he's outside the window uh, pointing at the zombies saying, come here, come here, come here. And the next shot, he's inside the room. He's like lunging Uh, inside to the room in semi-slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. He obviously has not come through the window in that time. Well, so it it was, it was a weird, it was a weird jump cut. I'm picking the, okay. So let me back up a step here and uh, take a look at this episode from, from a whole. I love this episode. I thought this episode was great. It had everything I really wanted out of a Walking Dead episode. It kind of had horror tropes, uh, which they subverted expectations, which is great. It had uh, good zombie fights. It had interesting locales. 
Uh, it had interesting huachas mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, underwater battles, which is good. So uh, everything that I have a problem with in this show is really picking nits. I have to dial the nitpick uh, dial all the way up to 10 to get to anything. So this weird jump cut is one of them. And uh, the fact that uh, he left glass in the like, shards of glass on the edges of the windows when he smashed it through with his mace hand. Uh-huh. But then by the time he came through, there was no glass, which is good because he started hoisting two little girls through there. Yep. Which, uh, you know, clear the glass or off or put a blanket down or, I mean, there's water coming through, so that's a problem. But uh, I had to pick nits to, to get here. I hear you. And I thought the same thing, right? He's outside the window and then suddenly he's like lunging in. It looked cool. And it was a it was a pretty awesome zombie kill, but I get it. It was a little jarring because it was kind of a, you know, a cut that didn't really make a lot of sense. But it's hard to complain too much about that one. I thought I thought it was pretty awesome. Otherwise, it, yeah, you know, I'll give you that. You know what I mean? Like I get it though. The same thing happens later, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, for now, he, as I said. He's in there. He fights off a few zombies. Uh, he's underwater, and he crushes one of the zombies' heads with his bare hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> hand and mace, I guess. That was fun. And then he boosts the girls up out the window, but now he's stuck down there, and we got more zombies come crashing down from upstairs. Yeah. So he's saved the kids, but put himself in a pretty precarious situation. Yeah, that's acceptable, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely. Save the children. We go over to Father Gabe. And he is at Meridian. He's heading toward the roof. He enters a room and finds that Reaper holy man. I guess he's a minister of some kind. He's got a large knife. Uh, Now, I had to look him up. Apparently, his name is Mencia. And I'm not sure if I knew that before, but maybe I did. But we can call him Mencia. Sure. So Father Gabe draws his own machete. And Mencia reveals that he knew Father Gabe watched him from the bushes yesterday, which happened in, you know, in a, a previous episode. Yeah, we, 30 years ago. Yeah, feels like it, but it was only yesterday on the show. Yeah. Um, now, they talk about God speaking to them, guiding their actions, things like that. And Gabe can't believe that God would direct Mencia to follow the Reapers. They're such bad people. Uh, but he claims, you know, all he can do is trust in God's will. So Mancia puts his knife away. He questions whether Gabe hears God anymore, even speaks to him anymore. And he suggests that Father Gabe should allow himself to hear God again, renew his faith. He says no matter what somebody has done, they can still be saved. And it seems like for a second he's getting through to Father Gabe, but nope. Father Gabe stabs him in the gut and kills him, saying that he just doesn't believe that. Yeah, he switches hands with his knife too, right? Or he had uh, a knife in his other hand because he stabs him with his left hand. He had the machete in his right hand, but he stabs him with his left. Oh. So he's very sly about the whole thing. It was knife misdirection. Yeah. And I've decided something here. Yep. Okay. You can take the, the Carol Daryl spinoff show and, you know, shove it. I want a Father Gabe spinoff show. I think Father Gabe walking the earth doing some shit would be a show I would watch. Yeah. You know, it's not a terrible idea. I that ha- that hadn't cons- I hadn't considered that, but after this episode, holy moly, that would be fun. I yeah. think. No, I was on board from the last episode with Father Gabe. I think he's uh, he's quickly becoming my favorite character. And this episode, he was just uh, uh, he was he was he was awesome. 
He's he my was. favorite part of this episode. So, uh, yeah. You know, one priest stabbing another in a church. Uh, well, I can't really praise it, but I can't really, you know, say it was crap either. No, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And Father The only G- problem I had with this, if I had to pick nits again, yeah. was that uh, Father Gabe walked into a, uh, a, a church and there was a font of holy water in the entrance and he did not do the sign of the cross. Oh, geez. Well, uh, he's, it, he's you know, clearly struggling, he right? He's clearly yeah. struggling with his, which we've known for a while, with his his faith and his ability to communicate with God and stuff like that. And that's what this guy was questioning. Maybe uh, he did it with, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jesus turned water into wine and the holy water kind of represents, I don't even know if it really does represent the, the, the blood of Jesus. I don't think it does. No. But uh, the wine does. Uh, but maybe he uh, he did the the holy you know sign of the cross with the blood of this other priest as uh, you know a ritual. And we just didn't see know. it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, we just didn't see it. But he's. I feel, he, I feel really bad saying that. I don't know. I, whatever. Yeah, I, Father Gabe is, has become a really interesting character right now, and he had a long stretch there where I didn't feel like he was really getting his due on the show. But now, now he's been great. So I, I agree with you. I think a show about Father Gabe wandering the earth alone, just getting into misadventures would be great. You know, and I've been thinking about this too. This came up uh, in my mind later on in the episode, but I'll bring it up now. Uh, you know, this, this show has been around for 10 years now, right? Uh, longer. Longer, yeah. Uh, uh, so, they, you know, we're all older. We're all 10 years older from when, uh, when this show started and all the actors are 10 years older. Uh, you know, they... As actors, I don't know what it is, but they're all getting better looking, in my opinion. Every actor that's on this show that was around from the first early seasons, Mm -hmm. they're much more interesting to look at now than they were back then. I mean, Daryl is the one who I feel like has changed the most. Like, look at that dude 10 in season one compared to season now. I can't. I can't go back. I'm, it's, uh... Well, I will go back, but I'm not going to think about it. I don't want to look at a picture. I don't want to go back there. I want to. I want to be in utter and complete shock when I go back. Oh, and you will be when you look yeah, at him. No doubt. Yeah. It's All the babies. Yeah, everybody's babies. Look, look at you're so cute. You look like a baby. <laughs> uh, so, I think that uh, I forget the actor's name who played Father plays Father Gabe, uh, but I think everybody. From 10 years on, that has been around since the early season, uh, is much more interesting to look at now. Interesting. That's good. Norman Reedus, especially. He does look a lot different. I know that, but uh, I think that uh, the acting opportunities that Norman Reedus is going to have as he ages is going to expand. And I I only think that that's that's a good thing. Well, Seth Gilliam is the actor for right. Father Gabe. And, you know, there are all kinds of rumors lately that Norman Reedus is going to be playing, entering the MCU as a ghost rider, I think. So I don't think that hasn't been concern, uh, confirmed yet, but. Okay. We're going to go from Nick Cage to Norman Reedus. I think the Nick Cage ones, we just pretend never existed. And we're going to go to Norman Reedus. That's right. I don't, well, Nick Cage has a. Okay, we'll we'll have to have a whole conversation about Nick Cage on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's in movies because uh-huh. he's crazy and I think he does things strictly for the money. And when they say, you know, Nick, would you like to do this? He's like, yeah, be Superman. You're goddamn right. I'm going to be Superman. And then they shoot a bunch of stuff and they go, maybe that's not the best idea. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe- you should do the Wicker Man instead. <laughs> We can probably put a pin in the Nick Cage conversation, but uh, I hear what you're saying. 
but Norman Reedus, I think, could do Ghost Rider uh-huh. uh, justice. I just, I think that transition is going to be hard on a lot of people. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's enough separation from Nicolas Cage now, but. I can't do it. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. From Nick Cage. Moonstruck for crying out loud. God, I know. I know. He's an interesting character. Uh, someday we'll maybe we'll start a Nicholas. There's got to be a Nicholas Cage like retrospective podcast out there. Yeah. So somebody must be doing that. Con Air. I know. There's all kinds mm. of good stuff. <sighs> yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, back to the episode. We cut over to Maggie being pursued by Carver. And I'm pretty sure this is what you were talking about, Jason, when you said there are horror tropes in this film, in this yes. episode. Yeah. Because I, I thought this scene was great. She's like running down a hallway, trying doors, trying to get away from this guy who's pursuing her. We cut to him just sort of walking down the hallway slowly. You know, we got the the victim running away, trying to escape, and the killer just walking slowly, but never really losing any ground. And it reminded me of like slasher films. Yeah. And, and I thought it was awesome. I really liked it. Yeah, me too. And normally I wouldn't like this kind of thing, but the, the idea was to lure him into a false sense of superiority, right? Where he felt like he was in control. She was the damsel in distress, trying doors, can't get away. Yeah. All the doors are locked. Oh my God, I'm trapped. It's the end of a, uh, you know, a hallway with no way out. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's the goddamn victim. Well, he, he is because Elijah appears comes, to be, yeah. yeah, Elijah comes out of the, of a door at the end, uh, by Maggie, then Negan comes out another door on the other side of him. So now he's surrounded and he does appear to be in trouble, but they have this fight and Carver is a very capable fighter. It seems like, cause he kicks all their asses at first. Yeah. They get a couple of shots in, but Elijah goes down with an injured leg. He... He smashes me, uh, Maggie down, like bloodying her face. Yeah, he, and this is where I have to nitpick just a little bit. Like, yes, I like this scene a lot. It reminded me of the Daredevil scene, uh, the first season of Daredevil. Remember that show that uh, oh, yeah. I didn't watch? But in the pilot where he goes through and there's the fight in the hallway with mm-hmm. like 30 guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just, he was tired, but he was still fighting and he was winning. It reminded me of that. And he was kicking ass. There was three on one. You know, he's at a disadvantage in the hallway, but he's still, he's, you know, he's t- kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but the only nitpick I had, I had two nitpicks about this scene. One is that when he smashed Maggie, he jumped and did a kick off the wall. Yeah. And it was just a little too, uh, you know, MCU, you know, he, he might as well have landed on, uh, you know, both legs in one hand and then flipped his hair up. Well, kind of. Uh, I know what you're saying. Nothing wrong with that in the right kind of movie, but here it felt a little out of place. It doesn't do anything. Like there's no actual uh, yeah. combat ad- advantage to kicking off the wall. You know, maybe if uh, if it was in the Matrix, that would work. Mm-hmm. Or if the if it was an MCU movie, that would work. If Batman did it, that'd be okay. Sure. Uh, but not this guy. I think this guy might think he's Batman. Maybe he was doing it just because, uh, you know, he did have the advantage at that point. And he just wanted to add a little flair. Sure. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, theater is very important in this universe. So maybe yeah. he's adding some theater. Add some theater. Sure. Why not? I, I, I know what you mean, though. It sort of felt a little out of place, but he... He takes all three of them out. Like, they're all down for a minute. But Negan, he finds a large metal bell in in a room. He comes out, and 
throws dust in the face of Carver and then just clobbers him with this bell. Yeah, it was, uh, he was looking at a fire station, right? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, uh, so there was like uh, a bell for ringing to let people know there was a fire. Sure. And a bucket of sand. Right. right? Perfect. Perfect you know, to the, take a dude out. Yeah, because, you, you know, there's no water pressure, so you can't have a hose, but a bucket of sand might get you somewhere and a bell to let people know. Yeah. There's no fire. There was a fire alarm, but I'm pretty sure it didn't work. Well, there you go. Well, lucky it was there because Negan just clobbers Carver with it. He goes down. And they, then this is the other nitpick is that Negan had a fucking catchphrase at the end of it. What did he say? Uh, oh. He said something like uh, ding, ding. ring a ding ding or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I was I was going to I would have thought of something like uh I rung his bell or uh something like that, but uh yeah, the catchphrase was not the witty remark was not appreciated. <laughs> well, <necessary>. ding ding. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't even think of that either, but you're right. It was a bit of a, it was a bit of a catchphrase. He called him something like, uh, shitcock or something like that. There was, he called him a name that was, uh. That's too vulgar for the show. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look it up. It was something, it was pretty vulgar, uh, when he was, when he came out with the bell, he tried to get his attention and I'm trying to, I'm going to find the, uh. All right. Uh, find it and I'll, uh, I'll come back to it and I'll just in- rudely interrupt you with it. Sure. Well, they're attending to Elijah and he looks super pissed. Maggie gets up and goes to kill Carver, but just then Daryl shows up and stops her, uh, from, from doing it and, you know, knocks him unconscious. Daryl says that they can use him as leverage to get what they want. Maggie questions if he is doing this for Leah, but Daryl says he's doing it for them. So Daryl radios to Leah that they need to talk, which uh, I guess they do. After a break, we come back to Rosita and Lydia fighting zombies on the stairs. Still, I should say continuing to fight them. Lydia goes out a window and Diane takes her place. (laughs) I thought it was a strange scene. They like send Lydia away, go out the window See what's going on out there, and I'll just keep fighting right here. But yeah. that's what happens. Uh, Negan says, over here, shit dick. Really? Yep. <laughs> okay. Right there on the closed captioning. That's good. Well, that's kind of a funny turn of phrase, I guess. It you sounds like the end. kind of thing Negan would say. Yeah. No, it's probably in his lexicon. Yeah. Well, that's I, fine. I think so. All right. Uh, so Aaron is now hanging from a pipe. In the basement. So he somehow managed to get himself up to a pipe that will support his weight, and he's shimmying along just out of reach of all the zombies. Okay. Uh, you, you, you have a basement, right? I'm in it right now. Yeah. You, uh, you, you spent some time uh, digging out your basement so that uh, you had more room in it, uh, headroom in it, right? Correct. How much headroom do you have? Do you have enough headroom where you could put a pipe uh, six inches below the, uh, the floor joists? Uh, from the floor above uh, and be able to hang from it and people would still not be able to reach you? Me? Full arms up? No, I do not. But new houses do. Really? Yes. That's a 10-foot ceiling is what that is. My neighbor is building a new house right now. I've watched the whole, like two houses over, I've watched the entire construction project. The hole they dug for this thing is deep. And the... The basement is very, very deep. Like it's a full height, a full normal, normal story height in the basement. So new houses have this. Now, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know how new the house is on the show, but it's newer than mine. Mine's a thousand years old. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I'm I'm just surprised the basement isn't finished more and there are pipes hanging at all, but he's well, hanging there and, and it, he, the zombies can't get him. It's also a four inch steel pipe that's hanging from the uh from the floor joist. Yeah. Which, you know, a newer construction would not have a steel pipe. No. It would have uh ABS plastic. Or PEX, yeah. Uh, that's what uh, that would that would be better because the steel pipe would erode eventually. But anyway, yeah, and it breaks, and then he says shit, and then shit dumps all over the place, or right. brown water. I'm not sure if it was yeah. shit, but it was, yeah. The, th- the thing I didn't really appreciate about this is now we've had Aaron jump in the window awkwardly. Now we've skipped over him, like, sort of escaping these zombies up to the ceiling on this pipe. And as you said, the pipe breaks. Lydia shows up at the window, says she'll be right back, and we cut to Aaron being pulled out of the window with a rope. So, so <laughs> we've skipped all yeah. of this stuff. And I know it's, you know, for time and 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 maybe for interest, for lack of a better word, because maybe that isn't the most interesting part. But it feels like Aaron's in danger and then he's just not. And they kind of yada yada over the rescue, you know? Right. So, okay. So let me, let me get this right. So Lydia... Poked her head in the in the in in the window. Said, uh-huh. "Oh, you're in trouble. Right. I'll be right back." Went and found some hemp rope, like some natural fibered rope. Came back, tied it on one end. Somehow they tied it on at the other end. Like threw it into him. Like threw yeah. it into him, and he tied it up. And then they were able to tighten it to the point where uh, he could crawl along it, and it wasn't dragging in the water. Right, because it's a a wet natural fibered rope. They're very stretchy. Uh, he would be uh, scraping along the floor, uh, you know, if he was hanging from this rope that was tied in haste like this. I know, I know. It's tied to like the house next door, right? It's to their yeah, downspout yeah, or something. That one like end, that. the other end's tied into the basement someplace. Someplace, yeah. So, no, I, I get it. I totally get it. It's it's a it's a rescue scene that they couldn't show because it doesn't make any sense, and so we yeah. just have to assume, oh. He was rescued and everything's fine now. Yeah, maybe it was a magic rope. Maybe uh, she has a clarinet that she used to, uh, you know, uh, when she plays the clarinet, the rope does what she asks. Clarinet. I mean, that. where, where do you come up with this stuff? For sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Well, what, you don't have a magic clarinet that uh, commands ropes to do stuff? Oh, no, I do, but I just didn't know anyone else did, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. You could be an oboe. That's fine. Okay, fine. Maybe it's an oboe. Yeah. The point is, it again, the, all of the Aaron stuff in the basement was slightly annoying. It was the only part of this episode I found slightly annoying just because it felt really, really convenient that he got stuck in there and then he gets out and everything's just fine. Where he seems to be in very, a, a great deal of danger. You know what I mean? In a flooding yeah. basement with zombies in the water and hanging from a pipe. So kind of annoying. Back to Maggie and her gang. They are walking their prisoner out into the courtyard. Daryl hands Maggie a big gun just in case, which she puts in her pants. And they all walk out into the open. Daryl with a knife to Carver's neck. He tells Leah and her other two guys to leave their weapons and head north. He says that they're going to take Carver, but once they're far enough away, he'll let him go. And he talks about how it's wrong to keep fighting and killing all, uh, killing each other after all of this. Uh, that's no way to save her family because, if you recall, Leah was all about 
you know, her family and this group of people, and they're very important to her. So we have this sort of standoff now, and Leah orders her man Jensen to fire because apparently she has a sniper on the roof, which gives her the advantage. He does fire and he hits the ground near Daryl, which is a warning. And yep. then she orders him to kill the woman, referring to Maggie. Oh no, Maggie's dead. She's dead. She's going to die. There's no way out of it. There's no way out of this. Of course, she's going to die. There's a sniper who ha- has the complete advantage. So Daryl relents and he lets Carver go. Elijah is super pissed about this and he starts hobbling towards Leah, but collapses. And the reason Elijah is so pissed is because Carver killed his sister, Josephine. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's pissed off about that. Leah once again orders Jensen to shoot. A shot rings out, but it hits Carver in the leg. Oh. Not Maggie, not Daryl, nobody else. Leah questions Jensen, what the hell are you doing on the walkie? And instead of Jensen's voice, we hear Father Gabe's voice on the, on the walkie-talkie, and he says, no Jensen here. Call me Gabriel. <laughs> Which, oh my God, I almost couldn't say because it was such an amazing line. It know? was, uh, it was pretty good. It was, so he when he was walking into that church where he killed that uh, that other guy. Yeah, uh, he was looking at the door labeled roof access, right? That's so where he knew was he was going to the roof. Yeah. So this makes perfect sense. They yada 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 over killing the, the sniper Jensen. Uh huh. But it's Father Gabe, and I'm perfectly fine with it. Like I have no qualms about this being not shown absolutely because it would ruin this scene right we it's it's totally fine that we don't know that he gets up there and kills jensen and takes over the sniper rifle because this is a payoff for it and it's a hell of a payoff yeah no it was uh this was great so great call me gabriel and And, and all the information is there but i didn't see it coming well that's the thing that's that's a really really good point roof access we know where he's going and when you're standing there in the scene, like you've forgotten about it. And I mean, maybe not everyone does, but I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I'm like, oh shit, they have a sniper. They're screwed. But yep. call me Gabriel's up there. And then the whole thing was just capped off by Negan. They, sh- they show a shot of Negan and he just smiles when he realizes Gabriel's on the roof. Like it was, it was so great. Now, Leah realizes that she now is at a disadvantage and she asks if the deal is still on the table. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we leave now? Uh, we'll, we'll just go. But Maggie says, no way, because you would have killed us. You were about to kill us. I've had the same conversation with my five-year-old a number of times. Have you? It's like, uh, well, yeah, it was more of a, uh, you know, if we do this, then we can do that. And then he doesn't do this. And it's like, can I still have that? No, the, the we had it. We had a deal. Uh, you know, there was going to be A, then B, then C. You know, you didn't do A. B never happened. You're still expecting C. It's not I the think way it we works. We got a problem. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we have. I don't think that uh, you didn't hold up your end. Uh, I'm afraid we have no recourse. I got it. Well, Leah is in this situation, and she says, "Well, you know, I understand. Gabe can probably kill us, but." we're definitely going to take down a couple of you in the meantime. So what are we going to do here? But Maggie tells them to drop their weapons and go, but they still have to leave Carver and they decide to do it. And as they're walking away, uh, Leah and her two guys 
Maggie walks up behind them, pulls out that big gun that Daryl handed to her just a few scenes earlier and shoots both of Leah's guys, kills them, shoots Leah in the back, but doesn't kill her and then walks back uh, and pulls the trigger on Carver, but she's out of bullets. So instead she grabs Elijah's weapon and just hacks him in the chest. And we saw all this in the trailer. Remember, we were wondering who's Maggie shooting at? Who is she like stabbing down onto the ground? Well, we have all our answers and it was amazing. It was good. And this is perfectly within uh, Maggie's character, as we learned from seasons ago when she uh, committed murder on uh, George, Georgie, what the hell was his name? Guy from 24. Oh my God, uh, not, there's no George. Georgie was the woman she left with. No, it was the, the guy at the hilltop, the leader of the hilltop. She, uh, you know, murdered him, yeah. you know, in the, in the guise of whatever the hell his name was. Right. Well, Gregory, the, Gregory. Gre- yes, that's right. Okay. So Gregory, she murdered him. So this is perfectly within her character. She's, she's pissed off. Uh, she doesn't want to let it go. Uh, she, uh, commits to, justifiable homicide i mean not really justifiable murder it's hard to say i i loved this i thought it was an incredible scene it's so ruthless it's so brutal and unforgiving i this is something else i didn't really see coming you know the show in a lot of ways like let's be honest jason i think the walking dead has softened a little bit over the years right and they don't do this kind of thing quite as much Maybe because they're afraid of the Glenn fallout when Negan killed Glenn, that it was a turning point for the show. A lot of people left. And so I think for a long time, they've been a little bit afraid. Now, it's not to that level. I'm not saying it is to that level because Leah and her people are supposed to be villains. And sometimes villains get killed by the good guys. Right. But this was brutal. And uh, I was a little bit surprised to see it. And all I could think is... This is the kind of thing I want from my Walking Dead. And I think this is a really good indicator that I think the show can still be really compelling without having to kill a main character. Yes, I absolutely agree. I love this scene. I thought it was fantastic. And I felt it was right within Maggie's character. The only problem I had with it was that uh, Daryl is also a murderous bastard, but he was on the side of don't murder anybody. Uh, in this particular episode, which kind of makes sense because, you know, he was kind of sweet on Leah. Right. So, uh, like he says that though, right? Cause he, he says to her, this is the way we can save both our families, right? He's, he's fighting for his people. She's fighting for her, hers. And I think he kind of sympathizes a little bit with her. I mean, beyond just the fact that they had this relationship in the past. So I, I think it makes sense that in this situation, Daryl would want to try and have his cake and eat it too, right? Like let everybody go and they all, they just go their separate ways, but that's not what Maggie's doing here. (laughs) She, she never intended to let anybody live no matter what their, whatever deal they had. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. And just to hammer that home a little bit, um, one of the things that early on in The Walking Dead made it so compelling was the fact that they were willing to kill off main characters. And it was always surprising when they did, generally. It was, yeah. And again, I feel like they haven't done that as much lately, for sure. And But here we have something where it's not a main character death, but it was really, really incredible TV, I thought. so. Everybody but the main character. 
right? It was everybody but Leah died. Well, yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm not sure I consider her a main character for in terms of who dies, but um, yeah, I mean, we can we should talk about maybe why they decided to leave her alive. Is she going to show up again ever? Is there oh, more? Yeah. Is there more to her story coming? Yeah, she's she's gonna you know escape to fight in the sequel. Uh, I got that from a Phineas and Ferb episode that uh, we watched recently. The bad guy escaped just so he could fight, uh, could return in the sequel. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's what they do, bad guys, sometimes. Yeah. And I learned uh, recently that Lynn Collins, who plays Leo, uh, used to be married to, uh, uh, what's his name? Stephen Strait, who's the main character on uh, The Expanse. Oh, okay. I did not know that. You should watch The Expanse. The Expanse is awesome. I know. I have... uh, decided that the world building in the expanse is uh, just as good as game of thrones. Ooh, that's pretty high praise I'd say generally. It is. I mean, I've read the books and I've watched the TV show. I prefer the TV show. Wow, cool. It's, well, it's a show it's awesome. I have meant to watch, but <laughs> I'm I'm at a point now where there's there's a lot of good shows and my list is long of things I want to watch and my time is dwindling. I have less than I used to to watch TV, so We'll see if I can get to it someday. You, you you like spaceships, right? I do. I love all that kind of stuff, man. But I got a lot going on and I got a new dog and that takes up a lot of my time. Hey, your dog likes spaceships too. Well, he's going to. I can to. tell you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. He, if he doesn't now, he will someday. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the episode. Daryl goes looking for Leah. He doesn't see her. She's kind of hiding behind some debris she's injured but he speaks to her and he says this isn't what i wanted uh she has a second chance and he tells her to go before he changes his mind so he basically lets her off the hook and lets her go so i do think there's going to be more coming at some point with leah she's not done it would be weird if this was her last episode but on the other hand maybe it is like maybe they've just sort of put this to bed she survived she's gone but to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up in the Commonwealth at some point. Yeah, and she doesn't take dog with her, which is very important. That's right. That's right. She doesn't take dog. We get to keep dog with uh, Daryl. Yep. So they're packing up the food that they came here for originally into a horse-drawn cart. Maggie goes on her own way. She says goodbye to Gabe and to Elijah. She says she'll catch up when she can, but she doesn't say goodbye to Daryl or Negan. So... We know why she's not so friendly with Negan, and now she's not so friendly with Daryl either, uh, at least for the time being. Yeah, they got a, you know, a personality uh, murder divide. That's right. Daryl's not all great with all the murder for Mm -hmm. some reason. Uh, Yeah. That's right. Why would he be? We have to wait until they start dressing the same, right? Because this this my my wife's theory is uh, if uh, people are dressed in opposite colors mm-hmm. than their antagonists until right. they start dressing in the similar colors and then they're in love. Okay, well, she's got this red top on this whole episode and Daryl's all in black, so they're, I think he's all in black, so they're definitely not the same. Yeah. All right. Well, Maggie's off on her own. She arrives at that old church where she left Alden. Remember she left Alden there? I do, I do. So she goes in, she has to kill a zombie, And then sadly, she finds zombie Alden and has to put a knife in his head and just sobs over his dead body, which I thought, again, was a really, really sad, moving scene because she's so distraught over this poor guy. And 
again, she should be. You know, she had to make the hard decision to leave him here, hoping to come back and find out he's alive. But he didn't make it. And Alden, he's dead. He's off the show. Yeah. Poor Alden. Wow. Probably. I mean, he's dead. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) We we saw his zombified body, and that's that. So outside the church, she's buried him. She's putting a cross over his grave. Negan approaches, takes out his weapon, and he tells Maggie that she was always going to do what she did, referring to killing the Reapers. And he thinks that when it comes to him, she's eventually going to do the same thing. So he's realized that once Maggie makes a decision to do something, it seems like nothing's going to change her mind. And her decision is to someday kill Negan when he's no longer useful to her. And if she doesn't change her mind, well, his days are numbered. So he decides he's going to not give her the chance. And he says he's going to go on his own way and he leaves. He just walks away. Yeah, meanwhile, Maggie's slowly pulling out her knife, it's, which is yep. obviously obvious and is telegraphed like crazy, and Negan absolutely knows it, so he's toying with her. He's just basically saving the so-I'm-leaving thing to the end just to just to mess with her, because he's Negan. Yeah, but he pulls out his knife, and, well, I, and she knows no, that. He had his, uh, he had his uh, metal pipe, or whatever so he it had is. a metal pipe, but he, he walked up to her carrying the metal pipe. Mm-hmm. They just had a sh- shot of it. Uh, they just had, you know, they made it very prominent right yeah. next to his ass. So it was like his butt and that metal <laughs> pipe was all in the same shot and it was very gratuitous. Whatever they obvious could, that they were showing his pipe. Whatever, <laughs> whatever they could find of his butt. I'm glad they could find his pipe though. Uh, <laughs> anyways, you don't think that she knew he was holding that weapon? It, like it wasn't sheathed? or whatever, and so she was, you know, grabbing her weapon to potentially defend herself? She was. She was getting ready for a fight. Okay, yeah. But uh, I don't think Negan, Negan knew that he wasn't getting ready for a fight. Got it, yeah. But, you know, he was just fucking with her uh, because he was saying things like, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you the chance Mm kind of thing, you know, that would make her, you know, put her hackles up. Right. And she started reaching for the knife, and just, just before she was about to lunge, she said, so I'm leaving. Uh, you know, just to, to to ease the tension there. So right until that point, he was just messing with her. Yeah, that's fine. But interesting that Negan's decided to just walk off on his own. I mean, where does this leave him? You know, when's the next time we're going to see Negan? Uh, I don't think it'll be too long, but I'm curious uh, now. It'll be a few months down the road anyway. I can tell you that. It probably will be. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so after a commercial break, we are with Daryl and Gabe around a campfire. They're talking about making the right choices, having doubts, things like that. And Gabe says, whatever's right in terms of making choices all depends on who's making the choice. (laughs) So if you agree with them, it's the right choice. Yeah. A zombie stumbles towards them and just, they, you know, they go to kill it, but just then Maggie returns and takes it out with an arrow. She lets them know that Alden is dead and that Negan went off on his own. Daryl tries to talk to her. But she ignores him again. So now we've got this difference of opinion between these two. Uh, We cut back over to Alexandria. Carol and Jerry are up on the wall. They see them approaching. Jerry questions where is everybody else. And inside, they're burning bodies. They're cleaning things up. Alexandria appears to be even more destroyed than it, it was, of course, because everything was on fire. 
they reunite with all the kids. Everybody hugs. Lydia looks upset that Negan didn't return, which I thought was interesting. But we know they have some sort of uh, relationship going. And Father Gabe and Rosita reunite, which is nice because I had forgotten they were a couple. Yep. It feels like they've been separated for so long. And then Daryl reunites with Connie, which I thought was really, really nice. He didn't know she was back yet, if I yeah. am not mistaken. Surprise. So it was good. And I have a holy crap moment here from listener Grace about this. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. Uh, this is Grace calling from Coburg, Ontario. And this is actually my first time I've been able to call in after watching a new episode. Uh, so I'm very excited since I only discovered you guys recently and I've been watching back since season one. Uh, so that's been awesome. So provided that you still do holy crap, did you see that moment? Mine for this week's episode, uh, the season 11B premiere, uh, would be when Connie and Daryl were quote unquote reunited. Because unless I'm forgetting something like that he already knew she was alive, I found it to be quite lackluster. Uh, I thought there'd be a little more excitement than just, you know, uh, giving her a little hug and then offering her an apple. But, you know, that's kind of the way our guy Daryl goes. So let me know what you think about that. Um, and let me know if I'm missing anything. Keep up the great work, guys. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Grace. Um, I, I actually, I agree. I thought it was within... Daryl's, you know, personality. He wasn't super excited, but he, he looked really happy and he cracked a smile. He did. What do you want? Well, for Daryl, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. yeah. So I, I quite liked it. I thought it was really nice. And I like those two together. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they play off each other well and I, I really enjoy watching them. So I'm glad they're back together. And I think Daryl gave just the right amount of emotion for who he is. He's pretty animated for Daryl, I think. Yeah, for Daryl, exactly. So Father Gabe is talking to Aaron and he kind of some, you know, they're talking and they're talking about Alden and he sort of sums it up by saying so many people didn't make it so we could survive. Mm -hmm. And that that's true. Like a lot of people, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, secondary characters didn't make it back on this uh, food mission. But the ones who did, um, it's so that they could survive and they could get some food. Now, suddenly Jerry notices something approaching the gate. He's still up on the wall. And just before we cut up there, there's this amazing scene, I thought, of Father Gabe kind of just throwing his head back and rolling his eyes as if to say, what the fuck now? Can't we ever have a moment of peace? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really good because it's, it it's it's how I feel sometimes about the show. It's like, oh my god, can they just have a moment to breathe before the next disaster strikes? No, the answer is no. Then clearly the answer is no, because approaching the gate is a bunch of Commonwealth stormtroopers, and then Eugene runs up ahead of them, claiming, "No, wait, everybody, we're all friends. We're here to help." Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, he's. I just I think the poor there was poor planning here, because if they know if Eugene knows where uh, Alexandria is, yes, right, so he yes. would be at the head of the column, uh, saying you know if they see me they won't get their hackles up. Uh huh. Uh, I can't believe I've had to use that term twice in this one episode, but uh, you know if they see me they won't get upset. Uh, meanwhile, the Commonwealth uh, stormtroopers in their glorious foam armor mm -hmm. have uh, walked up 
pointing their weapons at the uh, at the Alexandrians. It's like, well, that's a sign of histology, hostility. Yep. So it just it seemed to be um, a little overly dramatic, in my opinion. I think that yeah. you know if they were planning it right, Eugene would have said, "Let me be at the front of the column mm-hmm. so that they see me. Don't raise your weapons. Uh, you know, we'll have a conversation. You know, have them ready just in case shit goes down. But you don't have to walk up to them, pointing them, and yeah. uh, it, like, and them arriving at Alexandria was a surprise to Eugene. It's like, oh shit, we're here, yeah. and I'm like four miles back. I better run all the way up to the front. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We're all friends. Wait. He was in a he was in a trailer somewhere having a nap, and he overslept, and he's like, oh my god, I had a happened. job, and I couldn't even do it right. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I overslept on a caravan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going up to a, a hometown with an armed column. Right, soldiers. I know. They they could have even planned it better, right? Like send Eugene a half an hour ahead and be like, hey guys, I'm back. I got some friends coming. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll meet them. They look sort of funny, but, you know, chill a little bit. Instead, you're right. They do it the super most dramatic way and <laughs> have him run up after they've already got to the gate. Everybody likes their small sense of theater in this universe. Hey? It's just like, okay, we're going to go up there, but Eugene, you stay back and go, wait, 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 so that it's very dramatic. Sure. We're all going to point our weapons. We're going to, the drama's going to be high. We're wearing foam armor. It's great. We're going to have a great time here. It's going to be awesome. Well, later on, Eugene is standing there in front of everybody trying to explain what's going on, and he introduces Lance Hornsby who offers supplies and help to rebuild Alexandria. And he also offers them the option of coming to the Commonwealth. And as he says this, the camera pans across from Daryl to Maggie, who are standing there listening to him. But it, it, it pans to Maggie, who is actually now standing on the wall outside Hilltop, which appears to still be mostly destroyed behind her. And it says... Uh-huh. It says six months later. Time jump. So we time jump six months ahead. And outside the wall of Hilltop is a bunch of Commonwealth soldiers. One of them walks forward and says, open up. And Maggie says that it doesn't have to be this way. The soldier takes his helmet off, revealing himself to be Daryl wearing Commonwealth armor. And he says, yeah, it does. And the episode ends. Yeah, and he's got gore on his armor. Like, it's not clean and pristine. Uh-huh. There's, like, blood or gore or something all over it. So there's been a fight. There's been something. There's been a fight of some, of some kind. Okay. So here we I are. Don't, I don't think Maggie and Daryl are at odds. I think they're playing a game and they're on the same side. Okay, well, <laughs> you're jumping ahead, man. Maybe. Sorry. I don't know. That's fine. That's totally fine. I thought this was... My initial reaction to this ending was, oh, cool, a time jump, but I'm not sure what that means. Are we going to go back and see what happened in the six months now, or are we just going to start from here? We're starting from here. Okay. We're going from here. We're not going to know what's going on. We're going to think that Daryl and Maggie are like button heads, but they're they're playing the long con. Okay. I'm telling you. Okay. You, you, you might be totally right. Um, but my other thought was, oh my God, Daryl is with the Commonwealth which I, yeah. I didn't see coming. 
But once I calmed down a little bit and I started thinking about it, I'm like, okay, well, here's probably what's going on. We know that the Commonwealth gives everybody a job, right? Uh, they, they screen people, they assign them a job that they are most suited to, whatever it is. We know they made a big deal about uh, Yumiko's brother, like being a, a, a lawyer, and he doesn't want them to know that, so he's working in the bakery instead, right? Wasn't that, he a surgeon or was he a lawyer? Oh, sorry, surgeon. You're right, surgeon. Yeah, yeah he was a doctor. Um, and that was a big deal. He didn't want them to know he had those skills. He just wanted to bake stuff. And so I'm like, okay, so everyone gets a job. So Daryl's decided to go to the Commonwealth. And what job would they give Daryl? Well, soldier, not a terrible choice for a guy like him. So I'm like, okay, that makes some sense. And then I kind of stopped thinking about it. And I was like, well, I guess Daryl... I guess some of the people decided to go to the Commonwealth, led by Daryl, probably, who became a soldier. Some of the people decided to stay at Alexandria and or Hilltop, led by Maggie, and now there is some sort of conflict between the two. But I like your idea better, where they're running a long con here, and they're still on the same side, but not everyone has gone into the Commonwealth, and maybe Daryl's there infiltrating somehow. Yeah. My biggest, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, the Commonwealth, uh, picking people to have jobs that they're, uh, that they're best suited to, did they not learn anything from Krypton? Did I mention that before? I don't know if you did. Yeah. Cause Krypton, that was the, their whole problem, at least in the, uh, the Superman returns kind of, uh, thing where, uh, yeah. Uh, or they spend a lot of time on Krypton with, uh, what's his name? But, uh, you know, everybody on Krypton, they were born or bred to perform a particular job. Right. And, uh, you know, Kal-El was the first, uh, Kryptonian born, uh, without genetic engineering or pre pre-planned genetic, uh, a genetic job, uh, in like a long time. But this was, you know, the whole point of why Krypton collapsed because they couldn't sustain themselves because of this policy of everybody having a, you know, being bred and engineered to be, to have a specific job. Uh So, you know, you got to learn from, from Krypton. I mean, you can't just, uh, you can't just go on without having that knowledge and, and, and building your society based on the same thing. Who would have guessed that the uh, Commonwealth is making the same mistakes that Krypton is making? Weird. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're, uh, if you don't learn from the past, you're uh, doomed to repeat it. Absolutely. Well, um, that's it for the episode. Uh, and as you said earlier, uh, you really, really like this one. I agree. I, I thought this was a fantastic episode. I'll be honest though, man, I kind of think this is a better mid-season finale than the one before it. You know, the cliffhanger of the Huacha and stuff, oh, that's all fine and great and everything. But if all of that had been wrapped up before the break... And then this was the cliffhanger or this was the holy crap, like what's going on moment. Again, like the walking dead kind of likes to leave the last bit of a story for the, after a break where I wish they would wrap up a story and then start a new one after the break, which I know might not be as inducive to getting list uh, viewers to come back. But I think the Daryl thing at the end of this episode is enough of a, oh my God, we got to see what happens next moment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, you know, it's a, it's not really a cliffhanger. It's a what right thing, and, and that, and that's a, that's a better uh, finale than than a cliffhanger. I love a good what. <laughs> so, anyways, great episode. Either way, like it was really, really, really well done. 
and despite a few of your little nitpicks, my only ones really were the Aaron stuff. But by the end of this, I'd forgotten all about that. And I was just focusing on how great I thought all of this is. It was awesome. Well, Jason, anything else to say about this episode other than it was fantastic and I am really pumped for the return of The Walking Dead and what's coming next? Yeah, it was good. Do it again. (laughs) Just do this again, everybody. Do it again. Yeah, just do it again. All right. Well, amazing start. Amazing start. And like I said, really excited to see what happens next. I, I, I appreciate, you know, despite what I just said, I appreciate that it seems that they have put the Reapers to bed. They are behind us. I think now we are into the stage of production on this season where they knew it was the last season. I don't think they started production knowing it was the last season of the show. And that's why we had the Reapers stuff. And that's why it felt like, why are we doing this when we know we only have a certain number of episodes to go? Well, now we're in the home stretch, the true home stretch. And uh, if this is, if it's going to be this good all along, I think we're in for a treat, man. No, make it happen. A TV I want, uh, treat. I want from this what I wanted from The Sopranos last season that I, I personally never got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted murder and mayhem uh, left, right, and center. I wanted things to get fucked up and to go sideways and to be all twisted. That's what I want out of this show. I want this to throw everything into the fire and see what's left. Well, I think it was a good start. Does this, uh, how do, does this, do Maggie's actions in this episode, Jason, make you think any more about her kind of being a villain? Uh, well, she's that. Yes, because that was in her character when she killed Gregory, that was the start of the whole Maggie's a villain kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this absolutely fits within that character of, uh, she could, she could be a villain. Well, yeah. And I'm just saying that because of the way she, she was so ruthless in killing Leah's people, the Reapers, right? Yep. Uh, I was a little surprised that she let Leah live, but again, that there could be a story reason for that. I don't know, but yeah, Maggie has become an incredibly fascinating character. I think, especially when you consider where she started all those years back on her farm, you know, and look at her now she's making deals and double crossing and just shooting people in the back of the head. It's crazy. Murder and mayhem. Let's do it. <laughs> Murder and mayhem. All right. Well, uh yeah that was amazing i'm sure everyone has some thoughts and some comments about this episode so make sure you write those or call those into us for our feedback show coming up later this week before we wrap up tonight though we need to first of all thank a new patron who has recently joined and that would be duke h thank you so much to duke for signing up at patreon.com slash the talking dead And now that we're back into the season, Jason, with regular episodes, we are going to continue giving away Mm -hmm. Walking Dead stuff to our patrons. So we have a prize this week, which I've mentioned before. It is a Daryl Dixon throw pillow. Nice. And Jason, it is up to you to determine the winner of this week's prize. Okay, so this is, uh, I've had a lot of time to uh, to work on this one, so it's going to be a little convoluted. Uh, but ho- ho- hold on and, and stay with me if you can. I'll do my best. Are you familiar, Chris, with, uh, 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 cam girls and cam boys? 
So you go on these sites and they have, uh, you know, men and women and couples and whoever uh, <laughs> taking off their clothes and uh, t- talking to people and then you give them money. I mean, I'm familiar with the concept. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so far you're with me then. That's uh, good. Yep. So what I did was uh, I contacted a bunch of uh, cam girls and cam boys and what you can do is you can give them money and they will write your name on a part of their body. Uh, so what I did was I took all the patrons. And I uh, spread that out in amongst the, the cam verse. And I got a whole bunch of uh, these cam performers to write the patrons' names on their body. Uh, and then what happened was I, I uh, befriended a, uh, this, this cam guy who was getting his uh, PhD in um, computer science. Okay. So what, he, what I got him to do was to use some machine learning uh, to take a look at all the cam feeds of all the people that uh, where I paid to have their names written on their bodies, uh, and some to do some sentiment analysis of uh, you know comparison of when the name was being shown, what the sentiment was in the chat room of that prefer- particular uh, performer at that time, and ha- that and how much money that performer made while that name was on there to compile a list and a ranking of uh, who would uh, be the winner of this week. That, that, this is pro- probably the most complex approach to choosing a winner I've ever heard, but so far, I, great. I had some time to kill. Yeah, totally. Right? So it's That's... been a couple of months. I had some time to kill. I needed to do something interesting. So sure. uh, contacting, you know, hundreds of uh performers who take their clothes off for a living I mean, or at least for a hobby. I'm not sure if they're making a living or not. I don't know. Uh, but it cost a lot of money. I can tell you that it cost a lot of money. <laughs> well, I was recording the Boba Fett show. This is what you were doing. <laughs> uh, this is what I was doing. It took a lot of management. So after this uh, deep AI machine learning sentiment an- sentiment analysis uh, development that this uh, particular cam guy uh, was, was doing, uh, we have a winner. Amazing. Like we actually have a winner, and uh, the winner is Laura M. Congratulations, <laughs> Laura M., in for be, being the winner of one of the most complex uh, choosing methods I've ever heard, but uh, very, very well done and appropriate, I'd say. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations, Laura. I will be in touch with you about getting the Daryl Dixon throw pillow out, and so look for that email coming from me in the next uh, little while. Next week, Jason, next week's prize is a Sasha Funko Pop. You know those Funko Pops that I do. are very popular? Well, I've got one of the character Sasha from the They're show. Funko Popular. They are Funko Popular. That's right. Uh, so if you want to have a chance to win that, head over to patreon.com slash the talking dead. Become a patron. Uh, I, I, you know, I, we, we picked the winner in some interesting way from all of our patrons. Uh, and you know, there's, uh, not that many, so the odds are pretty good. And as we go through here, you know, the odds get even better because we eliminate people from the list. Um, we've got 16, well, I guess 15 more to do now because we just did one and, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun stuff. So head over to patreon.com slash the talking dead to support the show, which we very much appreciate, but also be included in our uh, weekly giveaway here. Yeah. And if you wanted your name uh, written on a naked performer, uh, <laughs> that ship has sailed. I'm sorry, but yeah. uh, you know, that's already been done. Yeah. And I, I probably won't do it again. It, it just costs too much money. Sure. 
fair enough. <laughs> We're giving away all this stuff and Jason's gone bankrupt. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, trying to explain, you know, $50,000 on the credit card, uh, to your wife, uh, for, uh, paying for cam performers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's a perfectly logical explanation. Uh, so we had a heart to heart conversation about, uh, you know, finances and, uh, you know, uh, and, having hundreds of you know, naked feeds. And, and she said, you're doing this in the name of, of the podcast and, and yeah. giving free stuff to listeners, then, you know, all, all for it. Right. Yeah. After I explained it to her, she was fine. Totally made sense. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. That's patreon.com slash the talking dead. Head over to there to, uh, sign up. Thank you so much to everyone that does. Alrighty, that's going to do it for this podcast. And what a great start to The Walking Dead coming back for the second third of season 11. If you would like to send us any feedback, comments, questions, thoughts, whatever, head over to talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top. You can record a message right into your phone or computer and it will get sent in to us. Uh, we love voice messages love hearing people's voices let us know where you're from and uh lay down your thoughts and we'll we'll get as much of that as we can on the feedback show later this week you can also of course send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com great way to send in your messages or reach out on twitter at talking dead all righty that is going to do it for this week everyone thank you so much for tuning in until thursday my name is chris my name is jason Thanks for listening. Ciao.